0: Let's all stand together at this time. We're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today at a message I call, We Shall All Be Changed. We shall all be changed. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we be shall be changed. May God bless the reading of his word today. It's my prayer. You may be seated. Our message this morning is drawn from this incredible passage detailing the eternal future of the redeemed of God's people. This will be my last sermon of this decade. and. Honestly, the message, though, I bring this morning is appropriate at any time and in any situation. 1 Corinthians 15 is commonly called the resurrection chapter, and it discusses the truth, the resurrection from the dead, one of the central truths of the Christian faith. In fact, the resurrection from the dead is such a crucial part of our faith that Paul would say that without it, Our faith has no meaning at all. I didn't make that up. He says it. 1 Corinthians 15, 16, For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. You see, our faith promises the ultimate change. The change so that the dead will be raised incorruptible. It also gives us the assurance not everybody who's a believer in Christ is going to ever feel the sting of death. I hope I'm one of those, don't you? The Bible promises the rapture of the saints, that's what we call it. And Paul is discussing that when he says, we shall not all sleep. Not every Christian is going to die, but every Christian is going to be changed. All of us will experience and enjoy that incorruptible eternal state for we are changed forever to be like Jesus and will be with Him for all eternity. This is more than just about heaven. This is about changing. Changing us, changing you, changing me. Now we can understand, once we have that in our mind, why this passage declares that without this promise, our faith is meaningless. If we live our whole life expecting a resurrection, if we live our whole life thinking that there's life after death. We live our whole life believing that death is not the end, but then death is the end. If that were to happen, then we would indeed be of all people most to be pitied. We would have lived our life for a lie. We would have lived our life in hope of something that's not going to happen. I thank God, Paul goes on with the passage, but now is Christ risen from the dead. Because you see, the proof of the resurrection is that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again. The very people who buried him were the people who saw him alive. And He gave us this testimony again and again. They saw the grave empty. They saw Him alive. 1 Corinthians 15 and 3 gives us an impressive list. <coughs> I deliver it unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, Then of the twelve, after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, whom the greater part remain unto the present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Quite a list, isn't it? Over five hundred people saw Jesus alive after he died on the cross and was buried. I mean, anybody could uh, consider an empty tomb or an empty grave. That was all there was to the story. We might well conclude that the story perpetrated by the Jewish leaders during that time was the truth. The disciples stole the body, but they saw him alive. And because Jesus Christ has conquered death, then we can be certain this morning that our faith is not in vain. Why? Because Jesus Christ is alive. So, if we consider the issue that Paul puts before us this morning, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable then perhaps we could spend a little time looking at the other side of that question. What if our only hope in Christ is in the next life? If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable, but what does it leave us if it's only in the next life that we have hope of truly being changed? I want us to pick up another passage, Philippians 3 and 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, <coughs> excuse me, that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. Conformed to His glorious body. The word conformed in this passage is a word we get our word schematic from. For all you engineers in the crowd, that means that our bodies are going to have a completely new operational system, and that's important because Leviticus tells us that the life is in the blood. Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. Yet 1 Corinthians 15 tells us flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We've got to have a new operational system, and we're going to operate on the glory of God. It says it right here. We're going to be fashioned according to His glorious body. We're going to be like Jesus. Another great point we pick up about this coming change is that it is something that Jesus does for us. We shall be changed. Now that's passive and that's important. Cause this is not something we accomplish ourselves. It is something that Jesus Christ does for us. We shall all be changed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in verse 17 and 18 adds in something else. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Did you see that? Are being transformed. So the Bible doesn't just tell us we shall all be changed. The Bible tells us we are being changed. That's a Big, big deal. If we can all say, you know, our hope in Christ is that we'll be changed. And it is our hope. then let's understand, the Bible tells us that Christ is working to change us right now. And he is changing us right now. You might think, well, you know, wait a minute. I, th- I thought if I was going to change, it was up to me. But that's all we had, we'd been a mess. Jeremiah chapter 13 and verse 23 says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. Accustomed to do evil talks about deeply ingrained patterns of behavior, habits, personality traits, vices. Fill our lives, and sometimes dominate the lives, and even destroy the lives of people. We see it in others. We feel the pain of it ourselves. Let's face it: change isn't easy. If change was easy, we'd all be skinny. <laughs> uh, you know, I was looking at something last week, and I'm just thinking about this, I've got to share this with you. People who lose more than 60 pounds and keep it off for more than five years are actually tracked by a national reporting agency. About a third of them make it to five years. The rest of them gain it all back. Change isn't easy. If all we have is us changing ourselves, If all we have is willpower, we don't have enough will, and we don't have enough power. Some things we can change, others we can't. That's why it's so precious for us to understand this morning that the Bible says, number one, we shall all be changed. But number two, we are being changed. We are being changed. The question for us then is, how does this process of change work? And I wish this morning that I could shout a lot more, but I can't. I don't have a lot of shout in me today. Uh, I can stomp my foot, but you'll just have to look at it. Philippians chapter two, verse twelve. Wherefore, my beloved. As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. This passage places this concept of change, language we can understand, talks about working out. Working out. What's that mean? It means to work out. It means that God has worked something in us. And it's, we then must work it out. What does God work in us? Well, He works in us, first of all, our salvation. He works in us then through the Spirit. And He works in us through the Scriptures. God saves us. He puts His Spirit in us. And we study the scriptures and learn that incredible truth. The working out is not always an easy thing. It's never an easy thing. You want to run a marathon today? Next week? How about next month? Next year? My marathon days are over. But if you want to run a marathon, you're going to have to train. That's the only way that you can do it. <coughs> Training in our, in our spiritual life is no different. We have to train prayer and fasting and solitude, Bible reading and study, service, teamwork. All of these things are important. The Christian life is not one we're intended to live alone. It's not. We need to be faithful in our attendance and faithful in our service. If we're leaving out our study of the scriptures or our reading of the Bible, then we're leaving out one of those critical things that God works in us that we then have to work out. The last passage in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 calls on us to work out our own salvation. That is, working out what God has worked in us. The other great principle about God, the way God is working to change us, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. This is a declarative declarative statement of change. We're in Christ when we're saved. We become a new creation. And the old passes away, and we become something new. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that before we were saved, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But now, something has happened. You're a new creation. In Jesus Christ. If we're ever going to be able to live out the change that God intends for us to live out, and the living out of that change that God is working in us right now, we have to understand what God did when He said, If any man is in Christ, He is a new creation, a new creature. I told you last week that my old home church is closing down. I called dad this morning to ask him where he was going to church, and he told me. And, uh, but I also was able to pick up some things from the old church, and I I brought something with me today I thought I'd show you. I'll set them up here, maybe you can see what they are. One on that side, and one on this side. Now, You ever watch Gunsmoke? (laughs) (laughs) Miss Kitty, Marshall Dental. You may think you know what this is. I asked one of our college students, won't call her name, what it was. She didn't know. I said, I'm so glad that you don't know. But if you'd ever watched Marshall Dental, and Miss Kitty, on Gunsmoke, you would know what that was. You see them sitting on a shelf somewhere. You say, I know what that is. Let me tell you what this is. This is a communion cup. It's what it is. I helped my mom wash them. Most of you have only taken the Lord's Supper, communion. In a little disposable cup. Back in those days, we didn't do a lot of disposable. Not diapers. Didn't have them. They were glass. And we used them when I was taking the Lord's Supper as a child. I had forgotten about them. But as soon as I saw them, I remembered. I remembered using them, remembered helping to clean them, dry them, put away. You see, when they were manufactured, they were created to be something. But when they were purchased, they were purchased to be something else. They were purchased in 1950 at the Sterling store in Magnolia, Arkansas. I know that because it's stamped on the bottom of the box they came in. We keep everything. No matter what the world might have intended this to be, when it was purchased, it was purchased as a communion set. That's all it's ever been. That's all it's ever been used for. It'll never be used for anything else. See, I want you to understand when the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. It's reminding us that Jesus Christ purchased us. No matter what we might have been intended to be, no matter what we might have made of ourselves, no matter what sin might have done to us, He purchased us. And Now, we're something new. We're something designed for the glory of God. We're not what we used to be. Those two facts, those two great passages, Philippians chapter 2 and here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, show us how God is working in us. Let's stand together, please.